Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you put the energy out and put the work in. My guest this week is Ransom Fox, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you because I learned a lot from talking with him. Ransom has been involved in a lot the past couple years, but I got to know him through his work as the former host of the Hot Seat segment of The Conversationalist. So, without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Ransom Fox. So, Ransom Fox, I'm a newly 21-year-old from Fairfax, Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C. I had a lot of titles, but now that I'm going to Oxford, I don't relinquish those, so I'm at Crossroads. But I was the president and founder of um, my own organization, Philanthropy Org, named the Patriot Protection Association. I also still probably will be vice president of Bridges at Mason. It's, um, have you ever heard of Bridges USA? They're like TC, but for colleges, so I'm basically vice president of that org. I was an intern on the Harold Pion campaign. Um, I'm an ambassador for the Stop the Demand Project to End Human Trafficking, um, co-president and former host of the Hot Seat segment of The Conversationalist. And I was for a very long time a student senator at George Mason, where I had a lot of titles from PR liaison to vice chair of the Government Community Relations Committee to chair of the Government Community Relations Committee. I also was the RAC board rep. And then when I was in Thessaloniki, I was the study abroad student government senator. And um, I also interned for the Michael Bukaka Center. I was part of their board. So I, I think I have everything. This is probably some stuff I'm missing, but a lot of that stuff is getting relinquished. And honestly, I'm just ransom box, a, a, a normal dude ready to explore and, and learn in Oxford and, and see if they have student government or the Oxford Union and, and just learn and grow and, and, and help out. Well, I am super excited for you to be in Oxford, and I think you're going to love it. Thank you for coming on the show, and I'm really excited to get to talk to you about all of this work that you're doing. I want to first start off by having you tell me a little bit more about your background and just tell me more about how you got to this point of being so involved in politics and in advocacy work. Can you just tell me more of that background for you? It, it, was, it was like a movie. I know that that phrase is used a lot, but I grew up being very heavy in sports and athletics. Um, football, I played that heavily, and I also boxed a lot. That was my main thing. Um, but I was very concerned. And I also played some basketball and baseball. Obviously, sports was everything to me, even though I was – I grew up going to I, – I went to different schools because they had the gift and talent program. So I was always smart, but I, I, I liked school. I liked learning, but that was my focus. I always wanted to be an athlete. And then um, – I also played band. I was uh, in wind ensemble. I played French horn for eight years. I, I was basically, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I remember my junior year of high school, um, I started to be really interested in politics. And then my senior year, um, I ended up becoming president of our school's Future Business Leaders of America, where I did a fundraiser for um, the local St. Jude's. And I also became president of our schools, one of their political clubs were actually made a bipartisan committee of the other club. But that all wouldn't have happened if I didn't stop playing sports. I actually remember I was being really interested in politics. Um, and 
I was very worried about the sports I was playing because of the brain damage that occurs from football and, and boxing. And I actually took a break from football because of that, but I wanted to get back in it. I actually, I coach now. So I coach middle school football now. It's something to still have fun with. It. I really like doing that. But back back then, I was really just conflicted. I love boxing. I love football, I love sports. But if I wanted to do, because um, I went to Boys State as well. Boys State's where, um, I don't know if you heard of it, Boys State, Girls State. You know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like JFK and Bill Clinton or some people that are, are um, former members. And it, it really changed my life. And I was like, I, I have to make a decision. Do I want to go down the path of one or the other? And I was actually in Seattle. I've the only time been to the West Coast. I was in Seattle. It's beautiful. I love Seattle. Great city, great people. And there's this place called the Pier. It's like this famous um, pier, right, right where you can see Canada and there's shops everywhere and stuff. And I remember walking past, there's a political memorabilia store. And I just spent like 30 minutes just wandering, looking inside. And I was like, this is really what I want to do. This is what I want to have to be. So to do that, I have to drop athletics in my life and focus, you know, on preserving my brain and focusing on um, not just working on my body, but working on my mind as well. So I made the decision then to stop doing sports competitively, stop boxing, stop football, and to focus solely on law, politics. And that's what allowed me all these opportunities. And it just, I built myself in there. So after that, um, in high school, I was really, I, I went out to Mason um, and I ran for student Senate, which is really big there. And my campaign was amazing. That was the funnest time ever. It was the only campaign I had in person because of COVID. And I was insane. I was calling the Mason faculty um, out, very, very non-politically correct. I was saying that they're disgusting people who are viewing us nothing more than ways to fill their fat pocketbooks when you take them down, which is not the smartest thing to do because, you know, these people see that, but I made a lot of connections and a lot of supporters and I skyrocketed up to be top five in, in the votes. And it was very exciting. I got to tour. I spoke to so many different orgs. I spoke to Mason Dems, Mason Republicans, Young Americans for Freedom, Young Democrats. It was just, it was so fun. I mean, we got interviewed by people. I mean, we are in a coalition of some of my best friends and like we had buttons with their face on signs everywhere. Um, and then as a freshman senator, I really didn't get to do that much because I was leaving for Greece, but I got to be the PR liaison. So what Jen Paxke does for Joe Biden, that was me. I stood in front of a podium and I would report and, and try to answer some questions from the school press, which is really fun. Um, and I remember I passed some resolutions that helped the community for each, or excuse me, um, um, I forgot the name of it. it it's a um, basically a community for each type of initiative at Mason where they hand out goods for free and food for free. But nothing really came from that. And I started seeing the failures of what a broken kind of empty political machine can be, how nothing really gets done. But I still was pretty like happy-go-lucky. And then I ended up going to Greece and that was world-changing for me because I've always wanted to leave my hometown, but not enough money. Mason or Novo was the only option for undergrad. And I was dying to go out and explore my Sagittarius. So, you know, we love exploring. We love getting out. And that was just magical. I still, it's been two years. I talk with friends from Greece still every day. So I'm close to the school's former um, student government president. The current one, his name is Manos. We still talk. I had an amazing time. I was a student government representative there for the study abroad students. Um, and I actually, we raised funds and goods for the Melissa Center, which is the local orphanage. And we, I actually got featured in the Thessaloniki Times, the GR Times, which is their local paper, which was fantastic. And I had a whole team of people to help me out um, that I still talk to that 
you, you just build teams. You have different, like my, my best friend from high school, who's my current treasurer of my organization. He was treasurer of FBLA in high school for me. He helps me with the economic stuff. It's just, it's so fun to, to have that um, and to get stuff done. I also served and helped ran the Democrats abroad presidential primary with the Michael Dukakis Center and gotten some papers because of that, which is fun. And I met my girlfriend there, who's now my biggest advisor. She, she's a PR major. She does everything behind the scenes for me. Like she makes all my graphics and stuff. She's much more stoic than I am. So she, she keeps me right headed. But, and it was, and we were, it, COVID hit, right? And Greece is 80% tourists. That's how they make their money. 80% of their money is through tourist industry. So that shut down. They're already considered a third world country. So these people, it was awful. Just everyday people like, almost killing each other for food in the streets and stuff when COVID hit. And we were told by Mason, oh, we have housing. And then they said, actually, never mind, your housing contract's up in two weeks. You know, good luck getting out. We were on our own. And that's how me and my girlfriend met because we were the last two Americans from Mason there. We just had to survive, uh, like getting food out of trash cans. It was, I loved it, kind of. It was fun, but it wouldn't be fun if I stayed. Like I would go late at night and try to scout for more places to find food and more places to um uh, be able to, to to live if it came to that. And it was just very dystopian. Like the city is always humming. And once COVID hit, all you could hear was the humming of the buildings and, and occasional screams once in a while or dogs barking. In fact, once we, did, we, we didn't know if COVID was airborne or not, I found myself near a uh, hospital and a whole, the whole trash can fell over and there's syringes, needles and masks and gloves everywhere. It's like a landmine. And I was like, trying not to step on it. I don't know, know how you can try. It was crazy. They even, they have, because they're very big, you know, the Orthodox uh, Christianity, they have places you can go pray and like candles. Those aren't even filled up. I was like, this is crazy. So we got back, we got home. Um, it, it, and it was, it was like unfulfilled. I still want to go back to Greece because it was like, all of a sudden cut short. But then, you know, I went back, I, I ran as a writing candidate, one of the Senate. Um, Worked my way up from vice chair to chair of the government uh, community relations committee. And then I led a um, initiative to build a light on campus to make us safer, which I did with great support from great people. We built 173 lights around campus and it was called the Patriot Protection Program. It's supposed to be a three phase program, but due to elections and some people losing it, didn't get carried out. So student government was very frustrating because nothing was getting done. So I actually took it to the private sector and found my own work called the Patriot Protection Association. So it's our first year this year. Um, we already have $21,000 fundraised and we have about 55 members, um, like 20 active members, which is really big. Um, we have a lot of great connections and resources. And our first uh, initiative we did in the fall was we raised um, over $500 for the Bethany House, which is the largest domestic abuse shelter in Northern Virginia. We partnered with them in a PRSSA, they're on campus. We raised money for them. I actually got a big fake check right back there. We're still in some more negotiations to get more money potentially that we're gonna hand it to them. And then I'm gonna step down and go to Oxford and Cecilia, my girlfriend who's vice president is gonna become president and see what great things get done then. Just we're our whole, mantras to improve the safety and well-being of the Mason and Fairfax community through collaboration and just being chill and working with people is what it's all about. We actually signed up and we're part of a, an equity coalition with a couple orgs on campus and student government to promote dining workers equity and dining option equity. Just had a meeting for that. Just stuff like that. And on the top of that, like I interned for the Andrew Yang campaign. I interned for a bunch. I'm always interning for one another political campaign. In the past, I've interned for the Fairfax City Council. There's a lot. I forget a lot of stuff on that trip. Bridges, um, coaching. I have a side job I do 
for a private contractor for a genealogical firm that's like family research who I actually met while campaigning freshman year for the Senate. He was at one of the meetings and he offered his card. It's just life's great. I, I do feel burnt out sometimes because it's so much, but if you just put yourself out there, good stuff happens. And then um, Oxford reached out to us. They said, hey, this is very selective. You know, like six or five students are going to go based on the requirements. You know, do you want to go? And that was a very rigorous process applying. And I asked, I asked the people, I said, if we apply, do we get in? They said, yeah, it's survival of the fittest because it's such a hard application. So I'm um, very excited for that. I don't know what's going to happen there. Very excited for my tutorials for the Oxford Union, maybe see if they have a student government, but I'm so excited just to expand my, I've never thought I'd be in that circle. I have some friends in that circle, but like I come from lower middle class. I don't have any connections. I've, I know people that could fed a silver spoon and I've had to work for everything. And like, I'm finally going to be in like that circle, you know, it's going to be very interesting, but I'm very excited. And it's just, I just keep going along and, and the conversations is great. They actually found me through social media and I just, I really, I really vibe with their message. I really, really do. And I just kept doing events for them. And then I hosted a segment called the hot seat segment with Bella Santos, which is so fun. Um, I was on some of their like TV shows and stuff. And then they said, Hey, you want to be our advisory board co-president? I said, absolutely working right now to extend the contract. And I have no doubt that I'll be with TC because there's such a great company that does great things. And it's a lot. I'm just feeling right now. I'm just brainstorming. I probably missed some stuff. I have so many stuff. I'm not even going to lie. And I'm a little tired right now, but um, just, keep on chugging along and just trying to help others and find the best way to, to, to do that and unify people, even though if it seems impossible, it still is possible. That's really interesting. And I'm really excited to hear about all of this work because I think you've managed to not only do so much good work for others in these areas, but you've also managed to learn so much. And I think that's just as important. So as I was listening, it's super clear that you've met so many people through your work and you've made so many connections along the way. And I'd love for you to tell me some about how you think these experiences that you've had impacted you as a leader or maybe helped you develop as a person because I think you've been able to have all of these really amazing opportunities by just putting yourself out there and seeing what happens. Yeah, I met a lot of interesting characters, a lot of strange characters, but interesting. I love interesting. I don't like basic and blends. What some people call strange, I find, I find beautiful. And I've my style has egregiously changed. I used to be very gun ho very much a very anti-establishment. Let's just take stuff down and you're wrong, you're wrong. You're going to be part of the bloodshed. And I built coalitions to just, you know, beat, beat people. And I, I, I absolutely changed once um, I entered the conversation this, um, because I grew up in an echo chamber where it's very... I mean, I'm honest, I'm, I'm registered independent. I vote left and right, but it's very far left where I live. And if you're anything else, you will get slandered, bullied, dragged through the mud, canceled. And it made me like resent and hate people that thought like that. And it shifted me to the other side. But then I realized after meeting people from all over the country that this happens to left-leaning people in like backwards Alabama, you know, no offense to that, but you know what I'm trying to say. It's not a one-side issue with all sides. So it really opened my mind and I'm like, why... I need to be much better at listening and incorporating all people. It's not all about me and not a superstar. I need to take everybody into account. I was very humbled, very much more mellowed out. Very, very, I still like acting very quick, but I'm, I'm more patient now. I've matured. I feel like I really feel like that my leadership through meeting others has matured 
and be become more practical and more reasonable through hearing all these other people's experiences, ideas, ideologies, and understanding that if you're in a leadership position, sometimes you have to make decisions on yourself because time permits that. But I really like to take almost everyone's um, considerations into place when a decision is made. And I love turning to advice to my advisors. And I don't find that as a weakness. Some people think that's a weakness, but I'm very strong in a lot of things, but I also have weaknesses in a lot of things. You know, I'm not the best in math. I'm not the best in the nitty gritty numbers of economics. I'll turn to my one of my best friends who's our treasurer and ask him to tell me what he thinks we should do. Take his advice. That's what leadership is about. It's not about doing what you think best. It's about putting people in the best positions for them to do the best. And then, of course, that helps the whole team and organization. I really feel like just meeting people from, it doesn't have to be all over the world. That perspective was changed from a former frat brother who grew up um, abroad, came to a very red-leaning area, and he did not confine with that. He got beat up because of that. And I was like, that's terrible. That should not happen. And just, if you put yourself out there, you'll be amazed with what happens to you if you just put the energy out that's why i always tell people put the energy out put the work in don't worry about all the you know little stuff or will this or that happen if you just go out there with the right intention and you the right energy everything will fall into place even if it's not what you think it'll look like at the end of the day you know it, it might be better it probably will be better for what what is uh and there's a big picture if you just keep going and you just keep making connections you just keep growing and learning for the better so i really feel like um and i really feel like oxford's gonna do that to me as well i really feel like those four months are really gonna take me to the next chapter in life because i feel like this chapter is ending and i'm really excited for what the next chapter will be prepping to go to law school get more jobs and internships and i just really feel like i'm very excited to learn and grow and honestly i feel like I actually had some discussions with uh, Virginia House of Delegates member Nick Friedis. I worked on his campaign and I asked him, I said, there's two schools of thought of being representative. Do you want to represent what you think is best or what you think your people are like best or both? And I went from one extreme. I used to do what I thought was best to the other. I thought, let me do whatever the students want. But at the end of the day, as a leader, you still have to have some principles, right, that, that, that you hold and that you will never give up if that makes sense and that's fine right obviously that's okay and i'm trying to shift back to find more balance because i went from to my way to the highway towards let's find the average of what everyone thinks and i'm going to do that but that's not always the best so i'm it's just all these like different intricacies and learning and trying to balance it out so that when i get into my prime and hopefully look around for office i'm i'm more polished and i'm more prepared to to take on the challenges ahead and try to help people's lives that's really interesting. And I think it's great that you've been able to think so much about your evolution as a leader and really process that. And I think that's a process that's going to continue as you get older and as you have more experiences. So it's definitely not something that you have to have figured out or anything like that. But I'm not sure if we ever will figure it out, uh, you know, the key to being a great leader. But I mean, it's, it's just so interesting that you've been able to think about that and really kind of process that for yourself. I have one last question for you. Lots of young people, particularly college students, high school students, want to create change and they want to make a difference in the world, but they may not know where to get started. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? thousand percent. This is my philosophy that local government is the most powerful and where you can enact the most change. Nobody shows up 
to local government meetings. More people showed up to our student Senate meetings than did um, the Fairfax City Council meetings because it's kind of boring. I'm not going to lie, sitting there for six hours going through a bunch of random legislation and stuff. But if you're a high school or college student and you really want to implement change, number one, your mayor or your county board is more likely to implement policies that will affect you directly than whoever is sitting in the Oval Office at the White House, right? Number two, they're more likely to know who you are, like, or, or, or especially what your needs are, right? Whoever is in the White House, they're not going to know where you're from, really, where do you live, usually, outside of Washington, really. Colorado. <laughs> they're not going to know wherever town you're in in Colorado, what specific needs, what micro needs you need, but your mayor or your, you know, county uh, board chairman will, or chairwoman. And, and so you have a lot more power with your local government than you do your national government. Number three, you have so much more access because nobody goes to these meetings. Nobody really shows up to vote. Nobody runs. Nobody lobbies. Nobody. It's, it's very much more closed off than national governments, ironically. Um, so you have a lot more access. You don't need to have millions of dollars and create a, a lobbying firm to, to, to try to implement your voice and, and try to find solutions like you do in Washington, D.C. You literally sign your name up on a sheet, show up to a meeting and talk to your representatives and maybe bring some friends to add weight to that. These representatives, they want people to be engaged with them. If you run for office, you kind of have an ego. I have an ego. You know, if you want to run for office, I assume you like the cameras and lights and stuff. It's fun to have people come and talk to you and stuff. These people want you to be engaged. Nobody's engaged because it's not flashy. It's boring. It's very boring to sit there and talk about things like ordinances that about implementing a stop sign or something but that stuff does matter everything in local government matters and if it's so easy to get involved when i entered for the city council they never had anybody do it before i just emailed the clerk i said do you have an internship program she's like no i said can i apply she said sure we'd love to have it i really didn't do much but i was there i had i was there all the time i learned i met all the council members i'm very close to a couple of them with the mayor i learned so much and just experienced it because um, there's so many opportunities to get involved locally and in, in more established areas, bigger areas like New York City or something, there are internships and stuff that you can apply for like Fairfax County Board of Supervisors. And you will um, learn a lot and you'll be able to make change. If you just talk to your local legislators, you'll be able to make change because it's, it's just simple economics. There's not a lot of people already there and there's so much open space for you to do it that you can enact change and potentially even run for office. I mean, it depends on where you live, but some local races, you only cost a couple of thousand dollars. You made a couple of friends, boom, you run, you win, and you get be able to implement change. So always start local because most of the issues you face as well are micro day-to-day, week-to-week, year-to-year issues that Washington is not designed to fix, but your local government is. So really invest and you go to them. They're not going to come to you. You got to go to them. Go out, put the energy out, be invested in your local government and that's how you're going to make change a thousand percent put my name on it i really enjoyed this conversation with ransom and i think you can really hear how passionate he is about all of the work he's doing in his voice i also appreciate how much he emphasized the importance of learning especially learning from mistakes and learning from misconceptions. I think he's consciously working to become a better leader, a better person, and a better advocate. And I think that's something I really respected in talking with him. And I also want to highlight Ransom's commitment to putting himself out there and taking opportunities as they come or going out to get them. 
He's been able to have so many great experiences, meet so many interesting people, and learn so much just by seeking them out and putting himself out there. I really admire that quality, and I think it's definitely important to remember as a change maker, because change doesn't come when you play it safe and stay relaxed. Change comes when you put the energy out and put the work in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can connect with Ransom at RansomFoxDC on Instagram. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.